Welcome back uh, to One Hope. Let's see, reading through the Bible podcast. We're in the Minor Prophets. This is season four, episode, I think, six, maybe, something like that, uh, in the book of Habakkuk. And before we get into that, um, <laughs> why are there three Ks in Habakkuk? Have you looked at this? Like, I didn't notice this until I was reading today. <laughs> Who came up with this? Who, who does, like, there's no translation of, of any kind. There's like, you know what, we put an extra K. It doesn't, why would you do this? Why would my parents put an A in my name? Anyway. <laughs> I mean, at least phonetically, you can say Tyrene and, and go like EA says E. Yeah, like I can, I can come up with that. But there's no like, you know what, you know, people might pronounce this Habakkuk instead of Habakkuk like that doesn't make any sense and if it was and if it was Hebrew if it was that way in Hebrew again it makes no sense because like I think Hebrew doesn't have vowels or something like that that would mean there's an extra syllable they wouldn't have put two k's and not then it's then it's Habakkuk like I don't know sorry it really bugged me today and I was looking at them like this is the kind of stuff it's like whoever decided how to spell Isaiah. There's no reason for this. Like, <laughs> why? And, and we just accept it. Like, yeah, there's two Ks in Habakkuk. I mean, or I should well, say if, if Habakkuk notice, that that, uh, that James said. But If you notice, we have two people here with double letters in their names. Maybe they know. Yeah, let me know. the second letter. <laughs> what yeah. was that? They're supposed to pronounce the second letter. Okay. Really, my name should be Hannah. Okay, but like, hey, so so Triel makes sense because it's like French, like or at least it looks French, right? And Hannah is kind of cool because what's the word when you can go backwards and forwards like race car? Okay, so we'll we'll edit that part out. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're just whatever. Hannah. <laughs> okay that was that i wasn't planning on saying any of that i apologize but um <laughs> uh i'm curious your guys's reactions to the the readings i so watched uh james's um sermon online i watched on youtube mm -hmm. and it was really good and i looked at the questions and i kind of had those questions in mind as i was doing the readings this week um, I'm not sure how much I actually got to those questions at all, because the readings for me kind of just sent me spiraling. So that's that's why I, I wanted to fumble into an intro today, because I'm I'm curious where your guys's thoughts went. Um, were your thoughts were there? Was there anything that you're like, hey, you know what? I don't know if this is it, but um, let's talk about X, Y, Z, because. I'm curious or, or what have you. So anyway, who wants to start? Um, I can start um, with just my initial thoughts um, from reading Habakkuk. Um, like my initial thought was just, um, I kind of focused on how he was like a prophet, but yet he still had these like questions that he was wrestling with. He still like questioned God and like, like almost doubted him, him and like what he was doing and like, like doubting his goodness even. Um, and so I, I was just kind of 
you know, taking comfort in that, that like this prophet, someone who's supposed to be like close with God, um, still had these questions. And so like, it's okay for us to have questions too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. It better be okay for us to have questions. <laughs> I am a lost soul if, if that is not okay. Um, on the questioning thing, Hannah, um, and it is encouraging. How do you reconcile the inerrancy of scripture with how human the writers are? I know this is like, I, I, Peter probably is like, he's going to be watching this later. He'd be like, what the heck, Joel? And he's going to you know. <laughs> but, that my dad would maybe say that I remember him saying in the past to us, at least for like regarding the Old Testament, is that Jesus like affirmed it, that it was trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And so I trust Jesus. So I just, yeah. But which part, not which part, <laughs> not which part do you trust Jesus, but the, <laughs> so I think this for me gets down to context is it's, it's really, I think, difficult when I run into people who kind of throw the inerrancy of scripture, and I believe in the inerrancy of scripture, but when they throw that at you and they're saying like, so then it becomes, you know, they'll read five words, you know, out of context and it's like, we'll see, that's what that says. I'm like, well, yeah, but if you read Habakkuk, well, I mean, really a lot of the, a lot of the prophets, especially Psalms and the poetic books, they seemingly contradict themselves within it, but it's, but I think when we read it, you know, as a whole, it's like, yeah, that's just how I think. I think, I think this is so unfair, but you're fair. <laughs> and, and then it's like, someone will quote, well, says that God's unfair. Like, do you know what I mean? That's a really simplistic idea. But Habakkuk specifically, like you said, Hannah, is questioning and doubting and wondering. Mm -hmm. So which part of that is like truth as opposed to thematic? I don't know. I don't know. How do you? I guess for me, I think you kind of touched on it. I'm not going to say that I believe there's errors in God's word because that's, I believe in, in the inerrancy of God's word, but with the big, <laughs> it's kind of a, a big, however, kind of thing. Um, I think we kind of have to look at how it all hangs together and how um what jesus says about it but also thinking about um especially like with habakkuk he is questioning but he's directing all of his questions to god he is doing this in a safe space in a relationship with god and to me that's one of the, the like kind of the truth that i get out maybe that's it's an emotional truth maybe it's a a truth that's not just a here's these five words kind of truth, but uh, an overall truth in that, um, like Hannah was saying, if Habakkuk can ask questions, that gives me hope. Um, but that Habakkuk has this hate, safe relationship with God. He can have the, he can ask questions. He can um, go to God with all these questions and God listens. And so, and he still trusts God, even with his questions, he, he still trusts God. So mm -hmm. to me, that's kind of the, the two truths that I find in here is, is the fact that he feels safe to talk to God about things that are really bothering him. And also that he trusts God with, with the, God's goodness. Um, 
I don't know. I know that's not the answer that necessarily someone who's questioning that is looking for. Um, but I mean, if you really get into it, there's this funny comedic skit by Tim Hawkins about his favorite Bible verse where he accidentally supposedly writes the wrong oh, scripture okay. thing. And then it turns out it's like this <laughs> terrible thing about the the disease in my loins. I mean, you could find a scripture passage that like that, that isn't, it's, it's about someone's personal crisis, but it's not about the, the overarching love of God. So, yeah. I, I'll be honest, these readings were a little hard for me this week to really pinpoint what exactly God was saying, um, or, you know, like one th overarching thematic element there, but something that you just said, Tyreen, about the trusting piece of it um, and remembering that that that's such a hard piece of, of faith, but I feel like having, especially making a statement of faith, like even in my questioning, even with, I have no answers, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to that and different personal times of our life. But the key part of faith is trusting that God truly does walk with us. Um, and like he, he will bring things for his glory. He will do good. And I think something that is hard to remember is that something happens to us that we might not see God's glory. We can see the good in it in the moment, but we might not see that side of him working necessarily. And I think that's where that, the faith without sight and like the, the, I trust in God because he is good. And I know that he will work it for his glory. I, I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I got out of Habakkuk, especially right after what um, Tyreen was talking about, just to kind of tie that in there. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's for me, the leap of faith, if that's an appropriate phrase, is in the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. It is that, um, and it's not that I don't believe God has been good to me. I think he he has, but whether it is the existence of, of pain and tragedy that we've talked about before or, you know, or in Habakkuk that specifically talks about, you know, wicked people receiving, you know, um, you know good things and righteous people not. Um, and I can't, there was actually a reading that referenced that this week. I'd have to look back and figure that one out. But the only way I can really reconcile that is by trusting, like you're saying, Trail, by trusting in God's goodness that if I don't trust in God's goodness, then I have to trust in my eyes and my eyes are limited and I can't see it. I, I mean, I, I don't have the ability. I don't have the ability to put the context together. And, and so, so I read, and maybe this is uh, unintentionally tied in with my original question is I read a book like Habakkuk or, you know, Jonah or any of the ones we've, we've, we've read and, you know, I, some of them are difficult. So I can't look at the individual verses per se. I have to look at the context of the book itself and how it fits into a broader context. And without that, I'm going to be led astray really dramatically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to go completely sideways if I don't keep the bigger picture in mind. And I, I think sometimes that's the danger. The danger is both in our own lives and in scripture is, is that laser focused minutia view and then trying to take a small thing and broaden it out as opposed to 
as, as opposed to taking a big thing and and uh, taking meaning and applying that meaning to the small things. That make, does that make sense? I mean, that to me is the challenge. The challenge is, is, all right, what's the big picture? God doesn't change. God is good. All right. In that context, how do I read this? Or how do I interpret this event in my life or whatever? I think I, I could be wrong, but I think maybe the scripture you're talking about, the the part that had the the troubling stuff in it <laughs> about the uh, it may have been the Ecclesiastes passage about um, you know, yeah, bad thing, you know, sinners and and righteous people basically get <laughs> the the same, you know, events or or maybe the righteous get uh, you know, have you know hard things happen to them and i always think uh, you kind of touched on kind of how i think about it you know the context of taking the bigger picture of god's love and applying it into those situations instead of taking the money <clears throat> saying ah yes this means you know this big thing i kind of wonder sometimes if what we perceive as good and this is again going off on a philosophical tangent um if what we perceive is good is actually good <laughs> like, I, and I know that again, that's a little bit of a strange thing, but I wonder sometimes if God is trying to show us, yes, he's good, but um, the good that he wants for us isn't necessarily our physical comfort. And I think we talked about that before and it's hard and it's painful and I don't like it, but I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like God's love is yeah what is like good use that into the situation and then you go from there but. good like good pizza is easy to define because it's completely subjective it's like it's what it's the pizza i like that's what's that's what's good the pizza you like is not good but, when, <laughs> but for some reason we we do like yeah except for the life that i like is good and anyone who disagrees with me is bad I mean, maybe I should have said box of chocolates. I could have been Forrest Gump. Like life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> what is good? What like what does that mean? If God is good and he works things for the good, what is good? Good is God. Yep. <laughs> I think there's the I, I think there's the catch. Is you can't this i mean for me this is this is the real dead end in in any discussions with um the eventual dead end discussions with atheists you get to this point that we actually do define goodness by coming from god mm -hmm. otherwise it's just an opinion yeah the first corinthians passage we read the the first corinthians 15 32 that I, maybe it's the version that i read that i'm not used to but it was the what do i gain if humanly speaking i fought with beasts at ephesus if the dead are not raised let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die it's it was just kind of shocking to me i don't know if i've ever read it out of context with the verses around it <laughs> and then thinking about it with the habakkuk verses i was like so basically again it comes back to the good is god and all goodness we know comes from god so yeah if if that's if we didn't have god then it, it's definitely that yolo type attitude that you only live life once you you know but if with god look at you tyreen you're, you're leaving me as the only boomer on the call way to go oh no 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 no, no. 
no, trust me, someone out there is laughing at me right now and saying she totally said that wrong. Anyway, <laughs> but the, but I mean, without God, there's like you said, there's no context for goodness, and there's no reason actually for anything we do. It's it sounds it sounds horribly depressing, but I feel like that's that's the without God we don't have. Any well, let me read like that Ecclesiastes thing. And I, and I wrote the last couple of verses down. It says, for the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink and to for tomorrow we shall die. That's kind of what it comes down to is that wicked or righteous, we're all worm food. Except uh, for Jesus. And that's what that first Corinthians 4 verse says. Because mm -hmm. outside of that, it's temporary pleasure for a temporary existence. Let me let me ask this. Is there wisdom in that? Is so Ecclesiastes seems to the, the whole that whole section of Ecclesiastes is saying. Everything under the sun is meaningless. It's all meaning. It's meaningless that the wicked sometimes benefit or the righteous sometimes do not. And they basically says, we're all dying. We all get the same thing in the end. So, you know, enjoy life. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically the gist of it. I guess. Is, is that, does that apply even if we're in knowledge of, of eternal life? Well, I think like the book of Ecclesiastes is like, it's more of like a thought experiment in the sense that like, it's kind of like, I don't like the writer, I don't know if the writer actually believes what he's saying, or if he's like, saying this is what life would be like, if you don't like believe there's more afterwards. Um, I don't know. Now we're right back to that iner inerrancy question. And it's like, okay, so is it, is it what it says? Or is it? something else because i'd say I, I would say this i'll 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 give you the spoiler alert i think the writer of ecclesiastes is, is wrestling with that idea of mortality but i don't think that that wisdom is limited to uh people without an eternity um guaranteed or or assured that regardless of your of your situation there is joy in life mm -hmm. apart from your circumstances yeah there there is that in there i i look at verse four of i don't or maybe i'm reading this wrong um maybe in a, in a different chapter of where i was at earlier but uh the uh but he who is joined with all the living has hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion which is an interesting statement um by itself but i kind of think if Jesus, taking it from the context in the New Testament, if Jesus is the living, um, so he or she who is joined with the living has hope. Um, like to me, that that there's a lot of potential meaning there. Um, but uh, yeah, living can include joy regardless of circumstance because living is better than being dead. And with Jesus, we have life beyond 
what the writer of Ecclesiastes was talking about. Or at least that's what I'm getting out of that. But that's just me. <laughs> no, I I, I agree. I actually wrote down there. the same thing. That I mean, it is it, it. There is joy inherent in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I actually wrote down a question: is like, what are the things that cause joy? And I thought about it and thought, you know what? I mean, a, a lot of it has to do with creation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it is uh, natural creation, mountains, oceans, you know, sunsets, that kind of thing. But it's children, it's it's animals, it's um, it's art, it's music. But the things that cause joy in my life seem to always be something created. So I get back to, so good is God. <laughs> good is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because God is the creator of all things. And so, and I think, I think when we're creative, we're, we're, it, this, there's a little bit of inherent act of worship in there. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but I think when we create things, um, we are mimicking the goodness of God. Even, even those of us who don't know that that's what they're doing, um, because God is is again a creator and of all life and all good things. So here's a little, I'm going to pivot a second. This so I I very had very similar thoughts as you guys did as I was going through these readings and and yes triel uh the same thing where they didn't seem to be related like they didn't there there wasn't kind of a clear like linear um progression until i got to the end um i'm trying to find which reading it was oh you know what it was it was out of wednesday's reading is what the first time i wrote it down and then i started seeing it more but in wednesday it was um Habakkuk, Romans, and Galatians. Mm-hmm. And in Habakkuk, is it, it basically says, wait for it. Um, you know, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Um, and then in Romans, it's, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It brings salvation to everyone who believes. And then in Galatians, is that so by faith we might, receive the promise of the spirit um and i'm not sure why my my thought my brain went this way but i thought okay what is it then like where does this so this living by faith this this obedient righteous life why do we do that like what is that do we do it because of the reward I mean, is that why? Is that why we? If it is, is that a bad thing? No. I feel like it feels be because, I mean, you think about it and you, you want to be doing what you're doing and being obedient to God for the sake of obedience, right? There shouldn't be any reason for that. You know, that's why I mean, we're created. And as far as we resist it, you know, there's, there's, there's pleasure sometimes in the disobedience, but there's no pleasure in the obedience and so I think part of that is fixing your eyes I'm like okay here's the eternal reward but then part of me is like no 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 no. I'm supposed to be just doing this because that's how I was created like I have not like a duty or an obligation but there should be a a joyful obligation 
to be obedient to 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 God. I I think that I, I think it what, I think it can be, but would but go to the should part of that triel. I mean, what why should? I don't know if there's a, a should. I think part of it is by the by the will of God and through the Holy Spirit, we are able to. I think as humans, we we can flounder and flounder, and I think that only while walking with God and having the Holy Spirit move through us, we can truly be obedient to Him. I don't know where that comes back to the reward part of it because of course you want the reward right you don't want to be just doing all these things or possibly living a miserable life but beautiful to god and you want the hope but that i think that's where the eternal reward comes but then there's the balance of well are you doing it for the reward or to glorify god and you know proclaim his goodness to others i i feel like that's a very hard (laughs) i think question I think, I don't know if I like would separate those two. Like, I think like, like glorifying God is kind of the reward in the sense of like, I mean, it's all about our relationship with God. And so it's just kind of like glorifying God just kind of happens out of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, because I feel like it's, it's easy to think it's like bad to do something like for a reward. Cause like, you know, we're told like, you know, don't chase after the things of this world. Like it's meaningless, but like, I think like our problem a lot of times is like not wanting the right reward. And so I think it's more about just like, it's not that there's like, like doing it for a reward or not a reward, but like which reward maybe more so. Cause I think like, I think it's okay to like want a reward. Um, and I think it's necessary even, I mean, like why, why do something if there's not a reward, <laughs> I guess you could ask. I agree. I let me let me ratchet it up a little bit though. Um, if our point of view was more like the writer of Ecclesiastes, or at least the 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 point of view that the writer of Ecclesiastes is describing, um, and we live in this life and then we die and that is it, do we still obey for the reward of obedience in the moment, or do we eat and drink and be merry because tomorrow we will die? So here's a question. Why are those two things different? Because if we are loving God, I mean, I think when he's talking about eating, drinking, and being married, he seems like he's talking about partying it up. But at the same time, if we are celebrating God's goodness, I think it's okay to be merry in those moments. I mean, yes, we want to be reverent. There, There's another part in Ecclesiastes that talks about there's a time for a dancing and a time for sorrow and and i think there's uh, you know doing all of that with god um but i don't think there's anything wrong with eating and drinking and being merry while loving god um i don't i also don't think there's anything wrong with weeping and being sorrowful while loving god i think god gives us like all of those experiences and i I don't know. I think about the reward thing and I know like in the, the easiest moments <laughs> of my faith life and in the, the best, as far as the easiest moments, I don't even know if they're really my best, but my easiest moments, it seems like it's been those days where I've been able to go to worship and it's just fun. Mm-hmm. I've had fun at worship. I've had fun at church. I've had fun even in my own like study and uh, prayers and I just feel joyful and that's it's great so I, I have those little reward moments I have plenty of days where I read my bible and 
This happened just a couple of weeks ago. I was reading a devotional that I usually really like, and I didn't like it. And then I went and read part of the Bible and I was like, okay, I don't know why I'm not in the right mindset, but I'm not. And I have like asking God to help me. And you know, I wasn't feeling it, but it's okay. <laughs> I went on and did it the next day too. And so there, I mean, there are moments when it's, it is obedience kind of for the sake of obedience or the hope that that reward will come the next time <laughs> or the time after that. Um, but what if it I doesn't? Oh, that's a hard thing. Um I'm not saying that it won't, and I'm not saying I'm not, and and I agree with you as well, Hannah. That, that there's there is joy and there's reward in in those acts without the reward. It's like a reward in and of itself, and so I'm not arguing about that. But I am trying to drill down into the what I think Ecclesiastes is is getting at, hmm. which is. Which is why I mean it's remember that the, again the context of this section of Ecclesiastes and really the whole book is how meaningless it all is. All these things we put so much meaning on are is is truly meaningless, even to the point of the consequences for or the 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 rewards that the righteous and the wicked reap, whether they are just or not. He says it's meaningless. So I'm going to push back a little bit on that yeah. <laughs> and say, let's go back even for the Habakkuk, but because the, that part where, but the righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him, which is kind of a scary thought. Um, But living by faith, even if there's no tangible reward or a, a, a visible uh, emotional, I can feel it right now kind of reward. There's that looking forward, like Trail was saying, to the eternal, uh, to heaven, to being with God, to having a relationship with God. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think this is a, this is a really difficult one to, to wrestle with. And it's because it's not a, it's not a, I'm, it's not an either or it's not a binary. It's not a, it's all this way or all this way. I'm not, I, I don't mean to make it that way, but for the sake of kind of digging into it. Well, let me just say where, where I got to today. You get to Thursday's reading after this reading and Thursday's goes into James faith and works. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into Matthew. Mm -hmm. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the father who's who is in heaven. And then it goes into Romans and says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart that he, that God raised him from the dead. As I was reflecting on this and things I wrote down Wednesday, and as I was reflecting on it, I thought the, the key piece in all of this goes, goes back to Hannah saying, God is good. Good is God. God is God. God is Jesus is Lord. Why do we follow Jesus? Because he died on the cross? No, we follow him because he's Lord. He died on the cross because he's Lord. Mm -hmm. All right, so so there's there's reward in it. I'm not saying there's not reward, but the lordship is his identity, not something we we grant him. And I think that's what Ecclesiastes is getting at. I think that's what, it, I mean, that, I think that's, and that's kind of what Habakkuk in, in context kind of goes to is like, this all sucks. 
but you're God. <laughs> God is good. Mm-hmm. So I'll wait and I'll probably die before I see it. But I live by faith. Because you're God. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote, I mean, this is, uh, follow my logic here. Because I wrote this down. I said, we do not follow Christ because of what he did, but for who he is. He is a son of God. He is a Messiah. He is the King and Lord. That is what you follow. You follow the identity of Christ, not the action of Christ. And that he did what he did, not to acquire followers, but because of who he is. He died and he sacrificed not to get what came out of that, but because it it is driven by his identity of who he is. And he loves us not be, or he loves us because of who he is and because of who we are, not because of what we do. And while there is no faith without works that come from it, it is the identity that is the key piece and all that. It's the who is God. Well, God is good. And it is who is Christ. Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. And who am I? I am creation. Mm-hmm. And that's why we follow. That's To me, that's the righteous will live by faith. That's the faith. The faith is who is God. It comes, it, it comes back to this over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's not he, he is what he does. He does what he is. I don't know why I'm thinking of this is not one of the scripture readings. It's way back in, I think, Exodus, when they all go out. And uh, anyway, they have all these trials and different things happen. But eventually they decide to actually after they've been rebellious to worship God and there's a call for uh, all the items that are needed to build the temple. And for the first time, it seems like the Israelites bring too much. They don't just bring enough. They bring too much. They bring more than is needed. And so Moses actually has to tell them to take back some of the gold and jewelry and and fine cloths and all the things they brought. Okay. we've, We've got enough to build this temple, which is amazing. I mean, it's an outpouring of love for God. And for some reason, that's making me think about like, if God is, as we, as we believe God is good, God is who he is. God does what he does because of who he is, or because doing that is, it's just part of him. Um, He really doesn't need us to give him anything. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't need us to build the temple. He's got it covered. Um, However, because we're created by him and because he loves us and we love him in return, we, we have, whether it actually is meaningful or not, we find some joy in doing that, those things of trying, of, attempting to outpour our love back to god um and it doesn't always work out <laughs> like there's a lot of times when we feel like the the writer of ecclesiastes or we um we've done the works and obviously they're not justifying us because we have to remember that god is always good and we are creation and not he doesn't he doesn't need us he doesn't need our stuff 
Um, he wants our love and that's, that's that righteousness, that faith comes from knowing that he's God and loving him. Have you guys ever, um, you know, worshiped in a way where you actually forget for a second yourself? Not, not, I, I don't, I don't mean like, in a like a, um, like out of body way, but I mean, okay. I struggle with singing, um, uh, especially at church, uh, because it's almost impossible for me to ever like divorce myself from the people that are around me. Mm. Like it's, they're always there. They can hear me. I can see them. I can hear them. Like there, there's just, it is uh, an act of immense concentration to focus on God in that moment. So it's like, okay, no, okay. Oh, shoot. No, I'm thinking about singing. I'm not thinking about what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking, I should be thinking about God. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about thinking about God with it and songs over. And that's the, that's like, 90% of worship time for me in for the last 30 years. But from time to time, I will kind of forget. And there are, um, it's inexpressible, like the, the joy in that moment. And so I'm curious if, if that is, if anyone else has a shared experience that way. Because all that's coming out in that point is not is is literally just whatever's inside of me. Yeah, I mean, I think like worship for me is like a very like powerful um, thing, and like in like different ways. Like uh, like sometimes it's easier than others for me to like just like get lost in worship. Um, I think it's it's easiest when I'm like alone by myself, um, just like closed off in my room. Um, cause there's, yeah, there's like no distractions of the people around me. Um, but sometimes I like experience like more joy almost like when I'm with like other people and like what I do is like, I focus on like on the people around me and like, just listen to the voices of like the congregation, like worshiping God. And then I'll like picture the angels also worshiping God. And like, it's just kind of a cool, like, like, it's not just me worshiping God. It's like, the like, and it's not like just me, it's all of us. And so it kind of like takes the attention a little bit away off of me and like to like the broader church. And like, it's not like about like, I mean, it's not about the church either, but like it, it, it at least helps like separate the like self thinking, I guess, to like, just like really think about God. Um, have you ever, have you ever done it that's not singing? Like, um, I remember, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. I was in, I was in middle school. I won't tell you the whole story. I was in middle school guy that I talked to. Um, and he kind of used to make fun of me as a Christian. We were friends, but that's kind of middle school boys. Um, and, uh, you know, one night he, it, all this stuff, and you guys know how this is the, you, you joke about what's actually really underneath, you know, it's because you don't want to say it seriously. So one night it actually came out, we were, we were talking and, and his real doubts and questions and my kind of uh, arrogant surety um, and all that stuff that comes out in middle school. It was, it was a very honest, like um, no, uh, 
uncalculated conversation put it that way like there was no there was no like I was we were neither of us were trying to get an outcome well maybe he was but I wasn't it was just like oh, had a conversation later on I remember think, feeling really guilty about it like missed opportunity and I should have been better I should have been more prepared blah, 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 whatever all those things but it was just in the moment I just he was just my friend we were just talking so fast forward, um, that was like uh, maybe seventh or eighth grade. Fast forward to I'm like 30 years old. And he, uh, what is that? I can't remember what I ran into him. I ran into him something. He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And and through high school, we weren't very close. Just to, again, a little bit of context. We weren't very close um, friends. And he was, he got more and more kind of like, militantly against Christianity run into him when I'm 30 he's a pastor of a church and I'm like how did that happen and he goes I could never get that conversation out of my head and I thought oh I blew that conversation like I did not like I didn't I didn't even come close to doing that right and I honestly I think that's 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 just living by faith it's letting letting god have that and whatever's he has placed in your heart as the creator you you just let it out without expectation or calculation because it's all meaningless and we're worm food he will make it will make it work for his glory. I mean, we're human, we're fallible, we're gonna slip up, we're a grammatical mistake, like whatever, you know. But yeah. regardless of whatever trivial or bigger thing, he will use it for his glory, like in that story. I mean, you might not have given it a second thought or thought, oh, you know, man, I bummed on that one, like that's too bad. But God's like, <laughs> no, Joel, I I got this one. I'll yeah. take care of it for you. I think that's it. He's exactly it. God's got it. Like, I I don't know what you were saying. He doesn't need me. I love worship, but I love, I think it's very possible to be in worship and in that mindset and not have any music involved. Um, I loved singing. So, I, and I, I've loved singing since I was a little kid. Um, and not necessarily because I haven't always loved my voice. I had a elementary school music teacher who asked me to join choir class because uh, she wanted me to actually blend with other people instead of shout singing in music class. Because um, <laughs> I I loved shout singing in elementary school. <laughs> and uh, so I joined choir it's, class. I'm sorry, I'm picturing this, the teacher just like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know what she was thinking, except for the fact that I, she was like, if you join choir, if, if you blend, I will let you join choir. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, so I actually, you know, had to listen to other people and said this shouting music joyfully at the top of my lungs. <laughs> anyway, um, and it was actually far more fun uh, that way, but um, my, um, when it comes to hearing other people in worship, I always have to go back to when I was in junior high, my dad had a really hard time staying on, on key. 
um, and I don't know if he still does this, but sometimes he'll be all over the place <laughs> in, in music. He won't be in harmony with everybody else when he's singing. Um, but I still love to sing next to my dad at church. I probably because I'm just so glad he's there. Um, and because uh, he wasn't all the time when I was a kid, he didn't uh, believe in Christ until he was in his 60s. And mm. so um, I'm just happy he's there. And it doesn't matter if his voice is in tune with everybody else's. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, but uh, and I know like this last Sunday, it was so cool to hear Pat singing. Um, she was standing in front of me so I could hear. Um, and I, it's just, I'm so thankful for those moments um, that I don't know that I forget all of it um exactly like all the context of where i'm at but um but i know that i'm thankful to be able to be in worship in those moments um but yeah it doesn't have to be about music i think you can praise god without saying anything out loud um it's just gonna be a state of mind hmm. anyway. that's pretty that's beautiful I'd say the only thing that, um, and I, I did touch on it, but the only thing I didn't, I, I didn't ask is we're um, a little bit of a unique uh, time and in, in the identity seems to be kind of tied to everything right now, whether it's, uh, you know, politics or culture or whatever. And, and what I loved about this week reading this week's reading was it a reminder of my identity is in christ my identity is in god and um like with james and faith and deeds my behavior flows from my identity my identity doesn't come from my behavior i think as i hold on to that in faith the rest of it gets easier all right well, let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for your goodness, your godness. Thank you for your son who, uh, who is our Lord. Lord, and uh, regardless of short-term benefits or blessings, Lord, we worship you and we follow you. And we are fortunate that you are good and that you love us and that you do bless us. And there is great reward in following you. Help us to live by faith, Lord. And to keep our eyes set on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.